0: The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Did you know that relaxation is all in your mind? That's right. By applying various techniques of mindfulness, you can practice relaxation anywhere and anytime whether it's at home, work, or at play. Welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio with host Leah Brenda Smith. Our program is all about recovering your common sense. If you'd like to call into our program today, use our toll-free number, 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. If you'd rather send an email, the address is Leah at ComeBackToYourSenses.com. Now, here's health and wellness specialist Leah Brenda Smith.
1: Hello, I am your host, Leah Brenda Smith, and welcome to Come Back to Your Senses Radio on Voice America Variety. This uh, show today, Come Back to Your Senses, what does that mean, anyways? Come Back to Your Senses. For me, it really is all about coming back to who you are in your natural state. And as human beings in our natural state, we are relaxed, and we know that we're connected to all things. And it's a natural process from time to time. We lose all sense of all kinds of things, yet the thing that I always take great, I guess, solace in is realizing and recognizing that in any moment and in every moment, there's always an opportunity to come back to your senses and come back to that sense of, the sense of yourself and that sense of being relaxed and being connected within. So this marks the um, final show in this season of Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And uh, all the previous podcasts will be available 24-7 in iTunes and through Voice America Variety, the way that they have always been available. And that'll be um, active until February 14th. Uh, 2014. And then after that, you can stay in touch with me or at any time, you can please be in touch with me through Facebook at Come Back to Your Senses Radio or uh, my personal page, Leia Brenda Smith. You can also contact me through LinkedIn under my name, Leia Brenda Smith. And then also new episodes of Come Back to Your Senses Radio, as well as the previous archive shows from the previous seasons will be posted on my website, which is comebacktoyourcensus.com. And then when new shows become available, they'll be posted there as well. So if you want to stay up to date with me and the activities that I'm involved in, new services that I may be providing, and certainly the coaching sessions, then you can contact me at Leah at com, or just drop into my website and I encourage you, if you're interested in continuing to follow the uh, services and things that I'm providing to people, to stay in touch. Either send me an email and get on my um, email list or um, come in through LinkedIn or uh, the uh, one of the Facebook sites so that we can stay, um, stay together in this um, great experience that we have started together. It has been um, beyond words. It's been just an absolute pleasure for me to have this opportunity and this experience to speak with you every week for uh, over 90 weeks now and uh, to bring uh, information and tips and suggestions around uh, topics that I think are really uh, timely and important for us to, to help us keep ourselves back in our senses, so to speak, and keep us going forward in life. Um, we, uh, as human beings, we are deep, and we often have deep questions and deep concerns and deep desires, and it's nice that um, there's the opportunity to come together with like-minded people and get support for wherever it is you are on your journey and wherever it is you're going uh, with your life. So as I said, you know, don't ever hesitate, send me an email if you're looking for some support or you'd like to um, check out the uh, free half-hour uh, consultation to see if you'd like to join me in a coaching experience, either for life coaching or uh, spiritual well-being coaching, then uh, do drop me an email. So for today, the the name of the show is Come Back to Your Senses. And during many of the previous episodes, I've covered a lot of topics about how to experience greater enjoyment, and experience well-being. And I thought to end the season that I'd like to offer you some highlights, you know, just some fundamental ideas for achieving happier, healthier ways of being. So I'm going to go through some uh, ideas like deepening your senses, accepting the natural cycles of ebb and flow, the mechanics of letting go, and self-care as a lifeline to well-being. And a few building blocks for healthy relating, certainly not all of them, but some to focus on. And then honoring yourself by setting healthy limits and listening to your body. Relaxation and then the grace of humility. And uh, each of these highlights come from a show that is uh, in the archive. So if you'd like to, uh, if something sparks you here, you can then... Go and listen to the uh, the full episode at your leisure. So deepening your senses. You know, as human beings we are we're multidimensional, we're multifaceted, multi talented, multicultural, multilingual, multi faith, and sometimes multi millionaires. But whatever your experience in life, all of it is perceived. Through your senses. So, as a general comment, if your energy is closed or you're tense or you're held back, then your senses are operating in a more finite type of way. But when you're relaxed and you allow your energy to expand, then you automatically enter a path where the exploration of the infinite expression and experience of your senses then becomes possible. So this becomes possible through an open posture, if you like, an openness in your energy and an openness to your senses and to the, the wisdom and the, the knowing that you are a sensory being. Now, All of us at some point have heard somebody say, well, I'm not a touchy-feely kind of person. And it is true. That is true for some people. Yet, there's always an opportunity and always a possibility to come back to the opportunity to explore and develop your senses. Remember, your senses are not finite. So, if you think of common sense, and what does that mean? Often I've heard people say, well, it's not very common to have common sense anymore. Or people don't seem to, uh, or it's not... uh, perhaps not as agreed upon as maybe it once was with our uh, more complex type of world that we live in with the multifaceted, multi-everything that has become so much a part of our our normal daily reality, multitasking, multi-technologies at our fingertips and all of this other type of approach to life that sometimes really moves us away from our senses and into um gadgets and gizmos and away from even our own opportunity to develop even our social skills or develop uh, the uh, bonds between human beings that were more in the forefront uh, in earlier years but if you think of common sense it's really that basic feel for the natural order of life so just going to make some generalizations about people that are operating with a high level of common sense, they generally would be good with logistics. They could usually find the win-win solution to situations. Mm, Folks can see both sides of an issue. Generally, people would exhibit an air of ease and confidence. And they would have an innate feel for what is right action. And certainly when we are relaxed, when we are operating from our senses, we all have that innate knowing for right action and the ability to exhibit authentic power, to see the bigger picture. And then also, something we maybe don't think of all the time is the appreciation for the blending of the physical and the spiritual elements that are always present moment by moment. Folks with high common sense tend to be clear, diplomatic, and definitive, yet there is also that nice quality of being flexible. When you think of it, if you focus on perceiving life through your senses, then it would be natural to experience a heightening of all of your senses and an increase in ease in common sense. Overall, it seems that meditation is one of the best avenues for tuning your five physical senses and developing also your extra sensory senses. Kind of brings that opportunity through regular practice. There's a fine-tuning that happens at the level of your body and your mind and your spirit. It just seems to be a natural outcome of of regular meditation practice or regular relaxation practice of of any description, really. I just want to give you a sense of deepening your senses through your chakras. So, the first, the root chakra, would be to uh, really recover your sense of security and grounding and that sense of home and safety. And then the spleen chakra, which is just below the belly button, is really your sense of self in relation to your emotions and your relationships with yourself and with others. And then the solar plexus, which is above the belly button and just where your ribcage comes together, your solar plexus, is that's your sense of power and authenticity. And then the heart, the fourth chakra, is the sense of compassion, unconditional love and acceptance. The throat is your sense of self-expression and creativity. And then the sixth, the third eye, that sense of clear vision, clear seeing, and that ability to hold the bigger picture. And then the seventh, the crown, is your sense of connection to the divine and the flow of the divine in all things. And then above your crown really is that sense of your own higher self us the opportunity to deepen your senses, and as we move into these natural cycles, then of ebb and flow, it's it's good to to really acknowledge that all of life happens in cooperation with nature. Right? the natural cycles of ebb and flows are that's a good example of our partnership with the natural world. You now, our energy sometimes waxes and wanes like the moon and the tides and the and the seasons. We've all experienced this. But generally speaking, people tend to like the flow better. And I guess it's because of that feeling of lightness and joy that's often experienced when you're in the flow. You know, people look, for the, and look forward to the you know, synchronistic connections and feelings that occur when we reach out and share when we're in the flow. It's very helpful, though, to recognize that as sure as you're in the flow, you're going to be in the ebb. And as sure as you're in the ebb, you're going to be in the flow. And to really acknowledge that you don't end up in the flow because you did something right. And you don't end up in the ebb because you did something wrong. Just like in nature, day and night happen. It's not because of something that it, they happen, day and night happen, the sun and the moon happen, the tides happen. So when we can drop the assessment of the flow being good and the ebb uh, being bad, then you're more able to look, to look at it more holistically and understand that each cycle has its own wisdom and then you can learn to respond and to let go with the ebb, just like you've learned to go with the flow. So again, these cycles of the ebb and the flow, they can be as short as a few minutes or a few days, a few weeks, or the cycles could be as long as several months or sometimes even a over a period of several years that you notice that you're in a, a long cycle of development and growth, if you like, in the flow, or, or... A long cycle of introspection and recovery in the Ebb. I know we've all experienced both of these scenarios. So really, regardless of the length of the cycle, generally the flow is more focused in the outer, and the Ebb is more focused in the inner, or more introspective. But human beings are both. We're outer and inner beings. And both cycles are essential for our health and well-being. We all have basic drives and the urge to explore the outer world, to achieve things, to make sense of our surroundings. We want to satisfy our senses, it's natural, and to attract things into our life that are pleasing. You know, we're invested in our self-image and our personality and our likes and our dislikes. And we're driven to be the best that we can be. We naturally want to explore our sense of self and our sense of identity and our sense of belonging to the world. But generally, we seem to have an easier time being in the flow and going with the cycles of extra energy and inspiration. It is helpful to know that this too shall pass, and there will be ample time really to rest and reflect afterwards. And it's good to know that you're not expected to live in that heightened state of flow all of the time. You know the energy cycle will naturally shift. And then you'll have time that you need to assimilate and integrate your experience. So with this new sense of awareness about the necessity of both the ebb and the flow, then we're able to really acclimatize to the cycles and surrender to the wisdom. You know, when we're in the ebb, then we just take extra time to rest and to engage in quieter activities that perhaps you don't usually get around to when you're too busy attending to the flow. You no know, taking time to reflect on your private thoughts and feelings or examine attitudes that may be keeping you from your goals. Or perhaps relationships may come to mind where you feel there's been a miscommunication Or maybe you need to make some changes in the way you relate to others. So essentially, really, if we don't fight with the cycles, then it's much easier to move through the cycles and receive the benefit. Now, some of the times we're experiencing challenges or conflict with the people we're close to because we're not recognizing the changes either in our own movement from the ebb to the flow or the cycles or changes in the people around us. It's, it's easy to see it in children. You know, we can tell when the children are worn out and they need downtime, if you like, or they need to be in that um, more recuperative ebb state. But it can help us then to be, you know, have some more flexibility in your home life so you can support each other in getting the time that you need to be reflective and to regroup when you're in the ebb. And then make room to be more energized and engaged when you're in the flow. And, and I think this is true too of our, of our pets and our animals. We notice that they go through these cycles as well. And we can respond to that a little better also. And then there's the mechanics of letting go. You know, this uh, tendency to hold on to things. You know, an experience comes to us. We react. We take exception to something that's said or done. It brings up an uncomfortable feeling or an unpleasant line of thinking. And we react because we don't like the feeling or the thought that's happening. And in the reaction, there's judgment. And then we experience the interruption of the flow of energy through us because it's caught in our energy field. So you think You know, when similar experiences happen in the present or similar thought patterns are going on within, then the old thoughts and energy and emotions come up and they recirculate again and again. So remember, emotion is energy in motion, and as long as things keep moving, everything is healthy and going in the right direction. It's when we take exception to it, right? At times we hold on because we're blaming someone else for how we feel. We've all heard it or said it, you know, you made me feel, or he made me feel, or she made me feel. We tend to blame the other person for the way that we feel. And this is a myth. This is just not true. What the other person did or said is about them, and what you did or said is a reaction or a response to the other person, well, that's about you. So similarly, you're not responsible for another person's reaction or response to you. What you do or say is about you. The other person reacts or responds the way that they react or respond, and that's about them. So even though we're interacting with folks a lot of the time... you're always responsible for what you think, feel, say, and do. And the other person's always responsible for what they think, feel, say, and do. And this is always true. There are no exceptions to this. This is always true. When a person judges someone else... It's always a statement about the person that's making the judgment, not about the person they are judging. And judgment is there. It's just there. It's just a part of what the mind does and part of our inner thinking. We judge people's choices and their thoughts and their actions, their behavior, their clothing, their lifestyle, their hair, what the work they do, who they date, who their friends are, the car they drive, how they drive, how they raise their children where they live, how much money, you get the idea. And it's all based really on on what our own choices and preferences are, which have nothing, nothing to do with the other person. So it's good to be mindful that all judgment is about the judger, not the judged. So when you're the judger, the judgment's about yourself, not the person you are judging. And when you are being judged... The judgment is about the person that is judging you and not about you. I find that so useful, so helpful to recognize that so that I can just be mindful and watch my own thinking and when there's a judgment there, that I just treat it like with that perspective of understanding. It's just a thought coming from the back of my mind. It's only about me. It has nothing to do with the other person. And having that perspective or that appreciation makes it easy to just let the judgments go. They come and they go and they come and they go without needing to react to the judgment or do something about it or take an action based on a judging thought that's passing through the mind. You know, Think of a camera taking a picture. When the camera takes the picture, it captures the image exactly the way that it is it doesn't change anything, and it doesn't fix anything. So if your eyes were closed when you took the picture, then your eyes will be closed in the picture. And if someone made a peace sign over their, a person's head, then you'll see that in the picture. The camera takes the image exactly the way that it is, with no judgment. The camera doesn't say, this is good, it's a bad picture, it's funny picture, or it's a lovely picture you just get the image. Let's bring this idea into our experience, especially when we're feeling burdened by some past event, whether it happened this morning or 10 years ago. And then just take the picture of the experience you're having exactly the way that it is. Just feel whatever emotions there. Be aware of the thoughts Notice the body sensations and just allow the experience to be there exactly the way that it is. Just honor the experience. Now life has taught me that when we take this approach, whatever is held in the emotions or whatever is holding on in the physical, mental or emotional body is there because it needs to be experienced. It needs to be accepted and honored exactly the way that it is, with no judgment. And when you do that, when you honor the energy, then and let whatever's there be there, and the experience honors you back, it becomes that energy in motion. And then it just moves through the energy fields, and is reflected in, if you like, an Akashic aura, or a, an energy field around the body that's the record Really the record of your life experience, which is exactly where it belongs. The mechanics of letting go. And then let's just visit a few building blocks to healthy relating. Simple things like agreeing to disagree. You know, we aren't always going to agree with other people's choices. Yet it's possible to just put the differences aside and recognize that you're agreeing to disagree. And then you can focus on the things that draw the two of you together in the first place. Another really good tool is to agree to wait until you cool down. So if you're in the midst of an argument, before things really escalate, you could, you could take a time out, go for a walk, or do some other activity that can put some distance between the two of you. And take the time, really, to come back to your senses and approach the subject from a more balanced place. It can do wonders in your relationships. And making requests, not demands. You know, sometimes we we find that we're at an impasse with somebody over certain behaviors or needs in ourself or in the other person. You know, before going to that place of really getting into it and getting into that argument, that thing where you rehash stuff and just hours go by and you're going round and round in circles, you you could just try making a request and not a demand. Make a request for how you would like things to be different the next time. As an example, you could make a request, a simple example. You know, if you're going to be late, could you please call and let me know. And then this is really good also to inform the other person when you need some time to vent. You know, it can be really healthy and it can help you kind of get to clear about an issue and and be clear about an appropriate action to take. But the activity is only healthy when there's limits on it. And then you can really do a service to the other person. But if you're venting about the same thing all the time, the same person or the same situation without any limits, then you're really just, if you like, hijacking the other person's time and energy. And that is not healthy relating at all. And then really basic, listening while the other person's talking. Listen and then listen some more. You know, you've heard that saying that there's a reason we were born with two ears and with one mouth, and and that is because we need to listen twice as much as we speak. So be an active listener. Listening is not about um, preparing what it is you want to say next while the other person is talking to you. Just relax and listen. You'll know when they're done, and then it'll be your turn to speak. So listening, listening, and listening. Another really simple, simple thing that can go a long way is to restore the environment when you share personal or professional space with people. Whether you do it regularly or you're just visiting someone's environment. You know, if you make a mess, clean it up. If you break something, tell the person. If you use something, put it back. And this really indicates that you respect the personal and professional space, even if the other person is not a real strickler for things being all organized, it still shows um, healthy relating, it shows that respect. And then, you know, it's like the ABCs of common courtesy, those simple things like please and thank you and excuse me and sorry, just the common courtesies are really can go a long way for building blocks to healthy relating. And then one of my favorite things to be mindful of is to ask people what they need rather than telling people what they need. You know, our needs are not necessarily the same as any other person. And what I may need to feel safe and comfortable and heard and understood or even loved or respected or valued may be very different from what you need. So asking, can I do something for you? Or can I get something for you? Or simply just letting the person, telling the person, you know, let me know if there's anything that you need can go a really long way and it's really, really great building blocks for healthy relating. You do that for another and you're setting a great example then for others doing that for you. So just revisiting there some Building blocks for for healthy relating, and then another really important important subject: the the many dimensions of self care. Self care. Hmm. I often am speaking with people that are caregivers, or whether it's just with family or friends, or in a professional capacity that that uh, often even hit a wall of, of feeling so depleted or realizing that what's really missing is that the care is all going in one direction and it's not about self-care. It's always about focused on other people and caring for others. But comprehensive self-care, you know, that's not going to just focus on your body, but it's also going to involve the people you spend time with, the activities you engage with, The way you speak up, even on your own behalf. How you keep your environment in order. How you balance your budget. How you nurture your soul. And also this idea of not making commitments that are based on obligation or guilt. Some people are still um, feel challenged by that. Self-care is really a wide range of activities that people undertake for themselves on their own or they come together with healthcare professionals or others to maintain well-being whether it's treating ailments or preventing illness or um, and managing their well-being and how about this idea of making pleasure a priority making pleasure a priority It's really high importance in the domain of self-care and ensuring that you focus on daily habits that are soothing, that you do things that are relaxing and nourishing for you and your body, for your mind and for your soul. Now, obviously, this will be different things for different people based on whatever it is that brings you pleasure. For some people, it's all about a walk in nature, others it's fresh flowers or getting a massage or going to the movies, listening to music, putting your feet up. Some people just like dancing around the house. It's really, it's about you finding what it is for you. Self-care is about you. And i to give you a couple clues here that indicators that you're out of balance. You know, if you have the sense of that you never have time to do what you really want to do which could really mean that you're not taking the time to care for yourself. Or you have this sense of that you always end up doing everything yourself. Now, this could mean that you're not asking for help. Or how about this one? Nobody appreciates the things that I do. And this could mean that you take over and then hope someone will notice and appreciate what you're doing. Or this one, my family or my work or my friends take up all of my time. Which could really mean that you've chosen to make your family and your work and your friends more important than your own needs. So you want to watch out for those. Those are good clues or good indications that things are out of balance. And then when you feel overwhelmed or you're feeling frustrated you could just try asking yourself a few basic questions that might help you get back on track with yourself. Simple things like, what do you want right now? Or what do you need more of? Or what might you need less of? Who or what are you resentful of in this moment? Or what are you yearning for? And these are some simple questions that you can ask yourself that can really help you identify what's missing or what you're needing or what's going in the wrong direction for you. And it can give you those clues and help you shift your energy back to a place of balance, a place of being connected within your own relationship to yourself. And in that way, then your inner and your outer world can come back into harmony. The inner and the outer world can come back into harmony. That's so essential. That's really the essence of self-care. You want to have that harmony within and the harmony in the outer. So it'll be helpful for you if you're specific You know, when you ask yourself the questions, because they will point you in a direction of a clear action that you can take on behalf of yourself. So that you can come back into balance, or you can um, fulfill your own needs. And sometimes that may mean um, making requests of others. Not demands, but requests. Remember, healthy building blocks for healthy relating. So you might discover some really simple things like maybe you need to eat more fruits and vegetables or to go for a walk more often or maybe you need help around the house. Or maybe there's some specific chores you need help with or you might need more sleep or time to just be creative. Or you may be really longing for a deeper exchange with your friends or ready for an adventure. Or just some good, clean fun. Or it could be that your house has just gotten cluttered and you just need to get rid of some things. So, really, as soon as you notice that you're not quite in the flow with yourself, that would be the time to check in, to ask yourself how you're feeling. And to get a sense of what it is you may need in that moment. So you can put the correction in before you become too out of balance. Sometimes we wait too long to bring intervention and then it really requires something over a longer period of time in order to replenish ourselves and to come back to our senses. So best to pay attention at the earlier signs and then you want to honor yourself, honor yourself with healthy boundaries. Here's like just a couple quick tips to help you learn to say no, right? And one would be to find time for yourself. Time away from your job and your partner and your children. You can use this as an opportunity to tune into what you want and what you need. And you don't have to feel like you're being selfish. You, know, you just are responding to yourself so that you can take care of yourself. And you can always buy time, right? So the next time you're asked to do something, don't answer right away. Just say, let me think about it. Or, um, I have to take care of something else right now. I'll call you back. And this will give you time then to evaluate whether or not it's something that you really want to do. And for some people, we just need to practice saying no. It's not necessarily a natural thing for everybody, but it is something that you can practice. And it's always good to remember to just keep it simple. Just keep it simple when you're practicing saying no. Not these big, long explanations. Just keep it simple for yourself. You know, it's essential to honor yourself. It's about setting healthy limits for you. Right? It's just part of our human nature. We go through these cycles of... um, having more self-restraint, and other times when we're totally indulgent. So the important thing to recognize is within these cycles is just to be mindful when you're being self-indulgent with things or activities that are actually unhealthy or could lead to health concerns if you indulged in an excessive way all of the time. You know, a simple example of that is, you know, when you treat yourself to to sweets or, or whatever else it is that, that might be true for you. If it's not sweets, it could be something else. It could be, uh, you know, that extra drink or that extra serving of pasta or whatever it is for yourself, you know. But to if you do it once in a while, it's okay. But if you do it on a regular basis, then it becomes something that can be a health problem. So to be healthy and happy adults... It's important that we're good parents to ourselves. We need to have good parenting skills. And that just involves setting healthy limits. And we want to listen. Listen to your body. And then respond to the information that it's giving you. And that can be challenging, yet it can be very rewarding. And We all get caught sometimes in those cycles of ignoring even the most obvious signs of discomfort. You know, are you being mindful to stop eating at the first signs of being satisfied? Or do you continue to eat until you're so full and then you complain that you ate too much? And then continually repeat the same behavior? You know, do you listen to your body and ensure that you're getting plenty of rest so that you're not lethargic the next day? Do you reposition your body or get up and move around, you know, when you're starting to feel stiff? Do you pay attention to the feelings that are associated with the confrontations that you find yourselves in with other people? And try to shift your attitudes or your beliefs so that you have more internal and external harmony. Harmony in the inner and harmony in the outer. Are you following your instincts and enjoying the company of people you have a great connection with? Do you put music on and let yourself get that energized feeling of dancing around. So, listening to your body and responding to the information is really, really essential to your health and well-being. And just notice where you are right now in your communication with your body. Because your body's sending you messages all the time. Some of the information's to help you increase your joy and pleasure. Other messages are to safeguard you against irritants that can disturb your health or lead you down a track that's not good. So, if you're wondering what you can do to increase your focus and awareness on listening to your body, here's some just basic things, right? So, think of it this way. Your body communicates in yes and no types of examples. So, you want to say yes to balance and no to imbalance your body says yes to moderation and no to excess. It says yes to regular rhythms of activity and no to erratic schedules. Yes to deep rest at regular intervals and no to lack of sleep. Yes to being in your comfort zone and no to being in constant stress. So it's not complicated. It can be really simple. Really, really simple. You know, listening to your body, there's basic elements that you can follow, like feel what you feel. Don't talk yourself out of how you feel. And accept what you're feeling. You don't need to judge what you're feeling. There's no blame in it. There's no fault. You just feel what you feel. And be open to your body. It's always speaking. Being willing to listen. Your body has a lot of wisdom to share. So you want to trust your body and value your spontaneity. You know, your emotions change, your brain changes, your cells are changing. So you don't want to get in the way of that change. And then enjoy what your body wants to do. You know, our bodies like to rest, and they like to be active. They like different kinds of food, and your bodies like to eat with enjoyment, and bodies like sex and pleasure. So let yourself enjoy what it is that your body wants to do. The benefits of relaxation just go on and on. And, you know, there's really formalized methods and literally countless techniques for breathing and meditation and focusing and chanting and moving and hands-on care but the best approach is to pick a method or a technique that's enjoyable and for some people the most enjoyable ones are the ones that just come to them in the spur of the moment so You know, relaxation doesn't require formalized methods unless, of course, that is what works best for you and what's most enjoyable for you. You know, a student asked the the meditation, the teacher, you know, what's the best meditation? And the teacher went silent for a moment and responded with this simple phrase, the one that you do. Whatever meditation you do is the best one. You can only receive benefit from a practice you do, whether it's meditation or learning a new sport or an instrument or a new routine in the gym, even a new vocation or a new relationship. You can only reap the benefit by staying with the process, you know, stay with the practice. Well, your health and well-being are the cornerstones really to your happiness, and so for that reason it's essential to focus on your health because without your health what do you have the quality of your life is either diminished or enhanced by your level of health and well-being and then this brings us to the grace of humility you know there there's certainly pitfalls <laughs> along the journey of life there's unexpected opportunities for personal growth and spiritual development and Losing touch with our sense of humility is one of the pitfalls. We need to keep a balance between the known and the unknown. And it's important that we remain open and teachable. And we continue to acknowledge the source of life for the gifts that make this world a bountiful place to live and acknowledge. Acknowledge the source of life for our innate abilities and our talents. Now, without this larger perspective, it's really easy to fall prey to the pitfalls, the idea of the hybris, which is a word from ancient Greek which means extreme pride or arrogance. Um, And hubris often indicates a loss of contact with reality, or an overestimation of one's own competencies or your capabilities, or even your self-importance, especially when a person is in a position of power. You know, the human personality and ego are certainly important aspects of the totality of what makes up who we are as human beings. And with all things, balance is essential, not just to survive, but to thrive. And in the pursuit of spiritual awareness, it's a common pitfall to think that one's intellectual understanding is, in fact, their spiritual truth. Yet often, intellectual understanding in this realm really consists of mental constructs, constructs created by the mind, in the mind of the student. You know, Socrates said that the more I learn, the more I know how little I know. And this is a a clear expression of humility and reminds us to be mindful of that endless wisdom that makes up the universe that we're privileged to be a part of. Now, when one is filled with spiritual pride, then there's a tendency to look at details that are insignificant and make them significant. And then on the flip side, you look at details that are significant and make them insignificant. And when that happens, that's really a clear indication that one has temporarily lost one's sense of the difference between the macrocosm and the microcosm. So they're uh, losing their sense of the macrocosm in favor of serving the microcosm. Fortunately, you know, just the natural organic process of life is always going to bring opportunities to be returned to balance and Lao Tzu asserts that the more you know, the less you understand. So like others, I certainly have fallen into the the pitch of spiritual pride from time to time. And we all have areas of challenge, you know, where we separate ourselves from others and where we knowingly or unknowingly we stand, you know, on our laurels or our sense of pride and confidence. And I certainly recognize that area of spirituality as the aspect of my life where I've needed to pay attention, you know, to ensure that I'm maintaining my equilibrium and that I continue to cultivate spiritual humility. Humility, true humility, can be one of the most expansive and life-enhancing of all of the qualities. It's not about undervaluing yourself. It's about valuing other people. So humility is a sign of openness to life's splendor and the the willingness to be inspired and uplifted by the goodness in the world. It's also marked by the ability to respect and appreciate other people. And one's capacity to be open to and to acknowledge and embrace energy, an energy that's greater than oneself, is perhaps the deepest expression of humility. Humility. Now, being humble is an effective trait of a leader, and it's also useful in developing your overall character. When people see how you respond to others and that you don't try to overshadow them or dominate them in any way, then it makes you far more approachable. And this can lead to good things and will have a positive impact on how you build rapport and relationships. You know, people don't generally develop bad first impressions of someone who is humble, and it's generally easier for a humble person to earn the respect of others. Now, some would suggest that humility is more than just a quality, but it's also a way of looking at the world. If you like a posture in life where the personality is silent and the voice of the divine can be heard and felt, and deeply known. So in this way, humility can be experienced as a divine essence that opens one up to the world. The path of humility and the path of inner peace really go hand in hand. So the less compelled a person is to trying to prove their worth to others, then the more likely it is for someone to feel peaceful inside. Practicing humility makes an individual teachable, which is its own wisdom. And generally, people with humility are best, better listeners, which makes their friendships more authentic. And with humility, one's able to examine personal traits in challenges without shame or judgment. And this can go a long way on the journey of revealing your authentic self and opening your heart and your mind to unconditional love and acceptance, acceptance of yourself and acceptance of other people. Here's just a couple of tips then for cultivating humility And be grateful for your assets, and be grateful for your challenges and your shortcomings. Let go of that tendency to compare yourself with others, and be open and teachable. And practice anonymous acts of kindness. Now loosen your expectations. You know, I, I, have heard, if you've heard the saying of someone who said, I don't know who said it, but that, you know, the true test of uh, someone's character is uh, what, what it is that they do when nobody's looking, not what it is that they do when they're in the limelight. And I encourage you to walk lightly upon the earth. The words humility and human, they both come from the word humus, which is earth. And with humility, we can accept our place as one amongst many other people. And when we recognize that we are no more important than others, then we take no more than our share. And we approach even the most menial tasks joyfully. And then it's easier to accept that we're here to be of service to the whole. And certainly for myself, it's been my absolute pleasure serving you each week through Come Back to Your Senses Radio. And I welcome you to let go and allow yourself to come back to your, your own senses, to your own sense of recovery or discovery of your, your sense of adventure and your sense of honor, your sense of deep knowing your sense of right action, your sense of calling, sense of freedom, your sense of calm and your sense of purpose, and to focus on your sense of happiness and your sense of well-being. I uh, look forward to this, uh, this time away from the weekly radio show to finish up with my metaphysical ministry and some writing projects and some other new services that I will be offering. And I encourage you to stay in touch. Uh, Send me an email. Let me know what's going on. And please do, if you need some support with anything, to uh, pop me an email. We can set up a consultation and have a chat. I'm happy to uh, be available to... Uh, The listeners, I'm so grateful for everyone that's tuned in, whether it's been every week or from time to time or just the subjects that seem to spark your interest. It's been a fabulous experience so far, and I certainly look forward to um, continuing to serve the listeners of Come Back to Your Senses Radio. It's been a great learning curve and a great opportunity to to share some of the wisdom that has come from my experiences with the teachers that I have had over the years, and also my own practices and my own teaching, and the uh, wisdom that's come to me through my own sense of connecting with the divine. And I encourage you to minimally find some kind of relaxation practice, some kind of meditation practice that you have an opportunity every day at some point, to go into the stillness, to be still with yourself, and to listen at that deeper level. Anything that we're looking for in life can come to us through states of deep relaxation. So a regular practice, whatever it is, pick something that you enjoy you know, for some people it is as simple as that nap that they have on the couch before bedtime even comes, or on purpose falling asleep with their book <laughs> with their book laying on them somewhere. Whatever it is for you, if it's that walk in nature, or a formal meditation practice, or times when you just go within and listen to the quieter voices within, I encourage you to find what's right for you. And give yourself that opportunity every day to come back to your senses. And it's good. Let's remember, let's remember that worry is like praying for what you don't want. And I am your ever grateful host, Leah Brenda Smith. And until next time, I encourage you to pray the good prayer and relax and enjoy your life.
0: Hope you've enjoyed our program today and perhaps have found some new techniques that you can apply to your daily life. Thank you for tuning in to Come Back to Your Senses Radio. Please join Leah Brenda Smith again next Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll see you next week.